Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. How we doing? How we doing? How we doing? Great to have you here. Coming up on the show today, we'll be joined by legendary Chicago sports columnist. That's saying something. An author as well from the Daily Herald, Barry Rosner, retired two years ago after nearly 40 years at that newspaper. We come your way twice a week, so Mondays we're live at 9.15 a.m. on Chatterbox, and we'll post later in the day on the Believe Network. Fridays on both Believe and Chatterbox will be on Chatterbox Sports at noon following off the bench on Fridays. You can join us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports page. Friday, we always have our big interview. That's the goal. We had Chip Carey from the St. Louis Cardinals two weeks ago. Chris Myers from Fox Sports, kind enough to join us last week. You can learn who our guests will be. Just follow us on X at Tom Brenneman TV, and great to have you with us. Barry Rosner grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. Not a lot different than, than you and me, right? Played sports, played baseball, but his first love was hockey. In fact, he was still lacing them up at better than 55 years old as recently as a couple of years ago. While attending Northern Illinois University, he was a vendor at the ballpark, right? Both at baseball and historic Chicago Stadium, home of the Bulls and the Blackhawks. But he wanted to be a sports writer, and his dreams came true nearly 40 years ago at the Daily Herald. Started as a beat writer covering the Chicago Cubs. That's where Barry and I met. He was on the beat. I was a new broadcaster for the team. We hung out virtually morning, noon, and very, very late at night, I might add, at cities all over North America for about six straight years. Those were the days of the Cubs of Ryan Sandberg and Rick Sutcliffe. Sammy came along, Harry Carey, Steve Stone. In fact, Barry wrote a book with both Ryan Sandberg and then another with Steve Stone. I'm blessed to call him my friend for lo these many years, many, many decades. My pleasure to welcome in to Dialed In, Barry Rosner. Barry, great to see you, man. You haven't changed a bit. How's retirement treating you? Oh, it's phenomenal. Played golf yesterday, 75 degrees in Chicago <laughs> in February. Unheard of. It's never happened before. I'm outside in a golf shirt and shorts yesterday, if you can believe that. Yep. But yeah, played golf. Then we had tornadoes come through, and now the wind chill's like zero today. So that's that's the, <laughs> that's that's living in Chicago, which you know very well. Um, but retirement is great. It's um, it's really indescribable for someone like me who uh, grinded for so long and for so hard, and really for the last twenty years of my career, working sometimes five jobs at a time with. TV and radio and, and many yep. other things besides being a columnist. And so to be able to shut it down, uh, I didn't think I would it would ever happen. Like I thought I'd work another 10 years for sure. But to be able to just shut it down and breathe and spend time with my girls who are now grown and out of the house and uh, spend time with my wife and just do the things I want to do, which frankly, most of the time is not a lot. I mean, <laughs> Mostly I want to play golf or hit balls or, um, you know, take trips to, to see golf or play golf. It's just, it's an amazing feeling to shut it down and just breathe 
after so many years of grinding so hard. You know, in your farewell column, uh, which was just unbelievable, by the way, uh, you guessed you were in the neighborhood of 12,000 bylines, written over 10 million words. I know you're asked this frequently, but was there a favorite column? Or is there a difference between maybe a favorite and a most impactful column? Um, and <clears throat> excuse me, in terms of favorites, I would say the last one is, is certainly in the, in the top three or yep. four. Uh, both my brother and my dad passed away in 2019, about six weeks apart. And that was the last of my family. So those columns were pretty emotional, and I thought, I thought fairly well done under the circumstances. But probably my favorite column ever was one I wrote about Peggy Kaczynski, and that was also in the summer of 2019. I'm sure you remember him. Yeah. You remember her, Tommy? Yep. From uh, NBC Five in Chicago. You know, uh, just a phenomenal broadcaster, uh, but a really good reporter, and I, I think. You might agree with me. There's not a lot of reporting that goes on anymore. Certainly not in uh, broadcast media. Really not much in print either. But she was a phenomenal reporter, and she told the story of how her career came to an end. And I'll sum it up for you very briefly. But uh, she had she was her sister was dying of cancer, and they were very very close. And something happened uh, during the the Stanley Cup playoffs when Patrick Kane scored an overtime goal and, and she was so disturbed by everything that was happening in her life that she could barely function at that time. And she asked what everyone else thought was a, was a really stupid question in a post-game press conference. And really she thought she was being sarcastic or funny, but it came out really bad. Everyone in the room looked at her and it, that started a tumble for her which really led to her calling it quits. And so the column dealt with, with grief and loss and work and, and the way in which um, really the rest of the media can attack you and sort of take you apart in real time. And of course, this goes on on, on Twitter or X as we call it now and on all social media and um, probably by numbers was was more widely read than anything I ever wrote. I mean, maybe probably similar to the last column I wrote, but somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, but I would say that's probably one. Of, I, I, I would consider that the best thing that I had ever written up to that point. And it's one that sticks out for me. And uh, I highly recommend you go find it. Um, and uh, I don't I don't have Daily Herald access anymore. I'd I'd tell you how to get it from behind the paywall, but maybe you can find it uh, somewhere else or, or pay the dollar or whatever it is for a one time fee. I that one sticks out for me, Tommy. All right, how about least favorite? One that you if you had a do over. Wow. Nobody's ever asked me that. That's a great question. Least favorite column. Um I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. I mean, we all make mistakes. I'm sure, sure I made mistakes. I'm sure there were some that I missed and, and missed badly. It happens if you're going to 
you know, write several hundred columns a year. Um, I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. I'll just say this, that there were two times, I mean, look, uh, I, I didn't go out of my way to trash people. I did if it was necessary, but I felt that I was just telling the truth and being fair. But I wasn't a rip and slash guy. I know that's sort of the way of the world. Uh, but I thought being fair was more important than than the rip and slash. But I, the, there were two times that I wouldn't criticize someone. One was when they made the Hall of Fame, even if they were someone that I didn't think believed uh, worthy of the Hall of Fame. I just shut up that day and didn't write about it. The other was when somebody died who was not a particularly good person. I also felt that that was not a day in which to, you know, to to stomp all over someone's grave. So th those were the those were the things I tried to avoid. I'm sure there were, I, I know there's mistakes that I made. I know there's bad columns that I wrote. I just can't think of one right now because mostly, Tommy, I've tried to forget everything that I ever did over, <laughs> over the last 40 years. <laughs> I, I try to do that with most of the things that happened in my life 30 years ago. <laughs> Or maybe, maybe, maybe back in August of 2020, I try to forget about that one as well. Yeah, I you know, I you know, understand. which brings to mind, um, you know, you brought up about about someone dying. Uh, I did not know Jerry Krause, legendary, longtime general manager of the Bulls, put those teams together. Um, you know, was not necessarily portrayed all that favorably at times by the big stars, Jordan and Pippen and so on and so forth. There was the incident a month and a half ago, whatever it was, he has since passed, uh, and they were uh, honoring one of those great teams, and his widow was there, and it was ugly. Uh, I, I mean, you know, your thoughts on I, I just couldn't believe it because – I feel like I know, not like you know, I know the Chicago sports fan, and I know they have great hearts. I, I, maybe it's just where we are as a society, Barry. I don't know. Well, I think it's a combination of, of two things. One is where we are as a society where, you know, no one has – no, that really people don't take responsibility for their actions, and, they, and they're allowed to just say or do anything that they want to do. It was very cruel – what happened at the United Center uh, that that many weeks ago? Um, the other part of it is, and if you'll allow me a, a minute or two on this, I, I can describe how this all came to be because I was I was in the middle of all this. I um, obviously knew Jordan. I covered those teams. Uh, I knew Jerry Krause very well. I didn't know Phil Jackson that well, but I knew people around that team well. And the truth is. Jerry Krause put together championship teams. Now that's not easy to do around Michael Jordan, but he did. Not only did he draft Pippen and Grant, and, and Pippen was thought to be a reach, a huge reach by many yep. people at yep. that time. He also traded for Cartwright, um, which was a very unpopular deal. But you know, I'm naming these names because they don't win without these guys. Obviously, look, Michael Jordan's the greatest player of all time, in my opinion. It is not close. I think it is an idiotic conversation, and I won't have it. I simply, I simply won't have it. If I'm playing golf, if I'm at a bar, whatever it is, and you start in on that, I mean, I'm leaving because I'm not. <laughs> that is so stupid. I'm not having it. Um, he's the greatest of all time. He is the reason 
for the six championships, uh, period. Okay. However, Krauss did some really, really good things. I mean, they, look, uh, you know, the Rodman idea, which was probably Jim Stacks, who was the assistant GM to Krauss at the time. Um, nevertheless, Krauss bought into it and he said, okay, Jim, fly down to, to Texas and, and see if this guy, you know, has any sanity left and if this will work. And, you know, with Bison Deli, who, uh, who we knew as, uh, um, was that uh, Jason Williams, I believe was his name before that, those kinds of things, those pieces that he picked up, Ron Harper. Yep. Uh, he did, he did Paxson, a lot of great. Paxson, Paxson, Kerr, on and on. Exactly. Uh, Luke Longley, who, yep. as far as I know, never dunked a basketball at seven foot, you know, three, <laughs> but nevertheless, nevertheless, was still a part of, you know, an important part of those teams. So, I mean, I could list you many, many names. And Jerry Krause is responsible for those things. Jerry Krause was also his worst enemy because of the things that he said publicly. Because, look, he was a fat, poor Jewish kid who was abused from the time he was five years old until the time that he died and was incredibly insecure and never felt like he got the credit that he deserved. So when he spoke publicly, I think always in the back of his mind was, why don't I get more credit for this stuff? So every time he spoke, he got himself into trouble. So he was a, his own worst enemy. It doesn't take away in any way, shape or form from the things that he did to help build those teams and to help be a part of those championships. Again, we know the reason, they, the main reason yep. they won those championships, okay? It's 23 and you could leave the discussion there if you wanted to, but I bring these things up because the way that, you know, Jordan, and I think Phil Jackson uh, bears a huge responsibility in this because he really helped stoke the flames behind the scenes. He helped rev those guys up. And, you know, when he, when Jerry Krause would get on a bus and those guys would be in the back yelling things at him, I mean, that's just inappropriate. The head coach at that point has got to put a stop to that, and he never did. Excuse me. Not used to talking much anymore because nobody cares what I think. Nobody cares what I think, you know. <laughs> Especially in my house, nobody cares mm -hmm. what I think. But – I think I think Phil bears a huge responsibility there. I think it's shameful what happened at the United Center. Um, I wrote about Jerry Krause many times, including when he died. And I, I think it's really unfortunate that it, really a terrific basketball mind, and also, by the way, a great baseball scout, yep. both before his basketball career and after. I, I think it's it's shameful that he gets no credit. I think it's shameful that at this point in their lives, that Michael in the Last Dance, which was a phenomenal series, uh, I've watched it many times. It was just, just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I, I think it's a shame that, you know, at this point in in all of their lives, they're you know they're all, what they're all either sixty or older. Phil's got to be what close to eighty at this yep. point. And by the way, Phil has no career without Jerry Krause. I don't know how many people know that that he was unemployed unemployed when jerry Krause plucked him and and put him on doug collins staff phil, uh, phil jackson did not have a job I, I just think it's a shame that at this point in their lives these people can't be a little more generous and a little more forgiving and to say 
yeah, we didn't like some of the things that he said. And yeah, he, he, he had crumbs on his shirt at all times and he was kind of a mess of a person, but he wasn't a bad guy and he no. did a good, and he did a good job and he never tried to hurt anyone. He never intentionally, uh, you know, said the wrong, wrong things or hurtful things. And I, I just think it's awful what happened at the United Center. And I think it's a shame that these guys couldn't stand up and say after, after Jerry Krause died and, and couldn't say, yeah, actually, he did a good job. And we're sorry that things went the way that they did. I mean, at what point in your life are you old enough where you can forgive those who, who you think have done you wrong and try to forget about the bad times and remember the good there's mm -hmm. there was so much good i know people tommy who were at that celebration those people who were shocked at some of the things that went on there there were still there were still some clicks there were still some groups huddled to the side there were still guys that while everyone was supposed to get together went off and had their own party and guys still trying to control narratives and control the group i i find it all very I find it all very disappointing. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Uh, you know, you and I started together uh, when you were on the Cubs beat, and, and it's such a different world on so many levels than it was back then. And your business, whether it was deadlines, the business itself, newspaper business, uh, right. you know, the, the increase in the electronic media, the players, the money, social media. I just felt like, Barry, the last number of years, hell, the last decade that I was doing baseball, I never feel like people are having any fun anymore. Yeah. Uh, I think you're right. I, I think that's in a lot of sports, don't you? Don't you feel that in most of the sports? I mean, you know, I think, I think baseball is just so unique. I've never been on a basketball beat, so I can't speak to that one. But football, you're once a week. It's an event. You're limited how much time you have and, and you know, all these kinds of things. But, but baseball, I remember it. I mean, it's not like calling anybody out. Uh, because I'd say it if he was sitting here. I mean, Mark Grace wouldn't be afraid to go out and have a beer with us. Or reliever Les Lancaster. You know, we weren't the evil media, right? But, but now, and maybe it is all those things I just mentioned. I just look at these guys now, and they're very talented, don't get me wrong. They're unbelievably talented. But nobody looks like they're having any fun. They're getting to the ballpark at 10, 11 o'clock in the morning for a 7 o'clock game. You know, and then they just do it all over and over and over and over again. And these are these are young men in their early to mid twenties to late twenties yeah. to early thirties. Yeah, I mean it's it's eight months. It's eight months of every single day. You better be having some fun out there. Um, and we grew up with guys. I mean, you were in baseball a lot earlier than I was because you lived it as a kid. You were at the ballpark all the time. You saw guys having fun. You saw guys always having fun. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. The one, the that that it's changed so much. I especially from when you know I started in. I mean, I was doing sidebars by 1985. Um, I was still vending in 1984, which, by the way, reminds me. If if you were going to sum up my entire career, I think Ryan Sandberg said it best when he said. About a year after he retired, he came up to me at the batting cage and he said, so let me get this straight. You go from being a vendor to having a Hall of Fame vote? I said, yeah. He said, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. 
Yeah. I said, well, sorry, man. Yeah. So I, at 84 was my last year of vending, graduated from college. By 85, I was doing sidebars at baseball games and, and watching legends on the field. By 1990, I'm covering the team. I, I think that you're right. Those guys insisted on having fun because how else are you going to survive eight months of baseball? That grind is just brutal. I would say the things that come to mind right away are social media. Yep. You can't be out at a bar having fun yep. Yep. because you could be doing absolutely nothing wrong. You could be, you could be in the hotel bar or a cab ride away from your hotel, having a beer after a game, somebody snaps a picture and now you're a, you're a drunk or you're yeah. not committed to your craft or you were trying to pick up a girl or whatever it is. And now that's it. Now that's with you. John Tortorella, uh, coach of the Flyers, said it best a couple months ago about a story about a guy whose, whose name you won't know and it doesn't matter. But he said, you know, you guys do this stuff and that's it. That's the narrative now. That's with you forever. There's no nuance anymore in journalism. And there's certainly no nuance on social media where everything is black and white. So I think a guy can't go out and have a beer after a game. So, you know, that's going to make your season a lot longer when all you can do is go back to your room and play video games. It doesn't seem like a great life to me. Um, the other thing, Tommy, is analytics, which I don't believe are evil in any way, shape or form. But I do believe that a lot of the beauty of the game and the creativity of the game and um, the, the ability to think the game have left the game for a lot of guys. Um, so I think they get to the park and there's a computer in front of them or there's a printout in front of them. And they're, they're at that moment being told how to play the game for that day. I'm trying to imagine, well, I don't have to imagine Greg Maddox, uh, getting a printout in front of him because I asked him about, when I was still working, I asked him about spin rate and hoping for a good answer and got exactly what I expected. He said, you know, you can shove spin rate up your ass. I I need to know, I need to know where a where a guy uh, where his bat speed is today. I need to know what his feet are doing in the box. I need yep. to know how he's reacting to my changeup today and how he's reacting to my cutter and how he's reacting to my two seamer. And you know that sort of creativity uh, is what he loved about the game. That's what he lived for. He didn't keep a book. He didn't even watch a lot of video because today is a different day. Today is entirely different than five days ago. It's certainly different than the last time I faced these guys eight weeks ago yep. or maybe or maybe a year ago. The wind is different today. The humidity is different today. The umpire is different today. Everything is different today. And that's what he loved. He loved starting over every time and creating a new masterpiece. So I... I I don't think analytics are evil. I think they're great. I think they add a lot to the game. I think they also rob some guys of their creativity and maybe their ability to think the game. Yep. So um, I just, I, I think you're right. I think they're not having a lot of fun. I know if you and I were as young as we were when we were that age and out on the road, and frankly, I'm not sure how we lived through some of that. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know why. We lived through it. Uh, thank God we did. Um, we had some. We had some very good times together. Um, 
but I, I think you just can't do that anymore. I don't know that we would be doing that anymore because it's just so dangerous, even if you're not doing anything wrong. Um, you know, you know, you look at you, 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 you know, and then you start to think about not just the players or what we were doing, but you know, then you start to look at to carry it, you know, another step or two further into um, the broadcasters themselves. Uh, my dad has said tens of thousands of times that in the environment we live in now, he would never be hired. Well, if he, if he wouldn't be hired, our old dear friend who we were with for years and years and years and years, Harry yeah. Carey, would never be hired. Now, now, you stop and you think about that for a second. And a lot of the younger generation, they only knew Harry as this guy that they perceived as drinking all the time at the ballpark, which wasn't always true at all. Um, you know, he had a stroke. And, and a lot of people have some issues, whether for him it was, it was saying, you know, Cubs. He had to say Cub and, and things like that. Um, but, you know, I think about the incredible amount of joy that fans would be deprived of if guys like Harry Carey, Marty Brenneman, Bob Prince, there are many, many others. That would Ken Harrelson, for that matter, whether you love, well, love him or hate him. I mean, the guy he had, he was White Sox through and through. Um, yeah. No chance he gets a job now. No. Um, you're 100% right on all of those names. Um, I had you on my radio show, you know, five, six, eight years ago. I don't even remember when it was. And I said, Tommy, you still tell the truth. And that is so rare in broadcasting today, even in national broadcasts, where it seems like there's a quid pro quo with everything that they say. I don't know if it's for the access or for the friendship, but not everybody is great and not everybody is good and not everybody makes a great play. And it's not like you're looking for the bad, but sometimes there's bad. And if you don't tell the truth, the people at home are not fooled. Okay. And they know you're lying. And so I said to you on, I I asked you this and I'd, I'd like for you to explain it again, but you, I asked you how you feel about still being honest when almost no one else in the entire world of broadcast is. And you made the comparison to, uh, to Procter and Gamble. And if you were working for Procter and Gamble, so I, I think you should, you should. Well, I mean, it basically, and this was shared with me uh, by someone much smarter than I am, who's a friend, where they said, look, you know, and this is a, a company owner of himself, and we were having this conversation. He said, look, he said, could you imagine Procter & Gamble hiring a spokesperson, uh, and they're in a press conference, and they're asked about Tide or any of their products, right? Oil of Olay. Pick anything you want. Hundreds of them out there. Crest. Um, and, and all of a sudden that person got up there and started bashing the product. Well, when you look at it through that lens, I kind of understood where he was coming from. And I didn't hear that until much later in my career, but, but you're right. There is such a thing as bad things. You can have a bad broadcast. You can have a bad column. You can have a bad day. You can have a bad at bat. You can make a bad play in the field. And if you just say it, Hey, cost his team two runs, you move on. You don't have to pound somebody over the head with it. But, I mean, That's you do like, that now, and it's like, man, oh, man, oh, man, nobody is hiring anybody that will say even the least 
controversial sort of thing about anybody that puts on that uniform. And I think it's too bad for the person at home. I do. Yeah, because they're not getting an honest broadcast and they know they're being lied to. Um, I consume a lot of hockey, a lot of golf, a lot of NFL, a lot of college football. I would say those are the main things at this point. Since I quit, I haven't been able to quite start watching baseball again. I have a lot of PTS from 40 yeah. years of, yeah. of going to the ballpark. But um, that'll come That'll come in time because I love the game. Uh, I, I do like that pitching speed and defense seem to be uh, – you know, not something that's so hated anymore. You know, I, I understand analytics don't care about pitching or or the craft of it or speed or defense, but it looks like maybe some of the changes are helping bring those no things doubt. back. But, no when, doubt but, when I, but when I watch a lot of events, I have to mute the broadcast. And what does that tell you? Because I just, it's just so bad and I can't, I can't consume it that way. I was thinking, uh, about 10 minutes before we started this, that I remember in 1994, I was walking through the lunchroom at Wrigley Field, going to get a, a pop or a coffee or something. And the, the TVs are always on in the lunchroom, you know, near the press box. And it's Harry and Steve Stone and they're doing their broadcast. And the Cubs were so bad in 94. I mean, I mean, wretched. And every day was the same as the day before. Bad pitching, bad base running, and especially bad defense. Yeah. And I'm in the lunchroom, and a ball goes through somebody's legs, and there's silence on the broadcast. And all of a sudden, I hear, boy, oh, boy. What a lousy ball club. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. You're not hearing that anymore, brother. He was the greatest. We had a lot of laughs with him. I want, I want to get I to two. two. I, I, just, I just want to say one more thing. I came in the booth after that and told you guys in the radio booth. And I think for you know, most of your career, you have mixed in a boy. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, at yeah. Least, at least a couple times a week from that point forward. But, yeah, this guy's not – Harry Carey's not going to get hired today because no. he can't just say what he thinks but that's why he was beloved because when the, when his team was winning nobody was happier yeah and when his team was losing nobody felt worse he was the voice of the fans and it was okay and today it's not i think it's a shame yeah uh, i want to cover two more topics with you before we let you go and thank you for for your generosity with your time here well i'm really i'm really busy tom well i know you I, I know I, I know i know but you got stuff going on I have a lot of things I have to do today um, since I already worked out. What time is it? I uh, So for the rest of my day, I got to go hit balls for like, you know, 16 minutes. That's okay. uh, All right. I'm going to have well, to mix that in. I'm going to have to mix that in sometime today. Yeah, so well, it, be careful. Don't, generous don't, with my don't overdo generous it. With my, yeah, I, I have, overdo it. truly have nothing to do and I'm really happy about that. In 2003, you were still working. I was broadcasting the National League Championship Series um, for Fox. And uh, everybody knows about Game 6, the Bartman game. I have described uh, that scene there as unlike anything I've ever seen. 
uh, because we were down in Miami. Josh Beckett beats the Cubs in game five. Now here we come back off day, game six. There were three times, four times, five times, ten times as many people outside the stadium as there were inside the stadium. Um, I have always felt like that night changed Chicago sports forever and not necessarily in a positive way. Do you agree with that? Well, I hadn't uh, drawn a direct line from when it became uh, a less friendly sports town to that moment, but I don't think I could disagree with you on that. And, um, you know, it it really, obviously what happened, happened. There were 12 people who stuck their hands up one, you know, the, the, the photograph of his, is of one guy with his headphones on and his dorky glasses and his life is ruined forever because Moises Alou throws a fit. Yep. Well, I don't think he's catching the ball under any circumstances, by the way, but Moises Alou throws a fit. Dusty Baker crushes the guy in his post-game remarks. And that, that you know, that's like, you know, everybody grabbing a pitchfork and a, and a torch at that point. And then a couple of reporters found out who this guy was, chased him down out of the stadium. He was identified, and that was the end of his, really the end of his existence. I, it, you know, of course, an idiotic thing. I mean, they, first of all, you got the Josh Beckett game. That was a winnable game. Aramis Ramirez uh, pulls a home run foul. If he doesn't, they probably, you know, it, the series is probably over right there. So they lose that game. Josh Beckett's phenomenal. Uh, They blow game six, which you and I could go through the play-by-play and and talk about the 15 things that the players did wrong and Dusty Baker did wrong in that game. And then, of course, they blow game seven. God bless Kerry Wood. Uh, He was done. You know, he's an admirable guy. He said he choked afterward. Yes, he is. He he said he choked afterward. He didn't. He had been abused horribly by Dusty Baker that year and had absolutely nothing left. So, I mean, it was the players and the manager who lost it. It wasn't a guy in the stands. And – what happened to him was horrific, and I think your theory on that is incredible because I'm not sure that I ever thought of that. But maybe that's the day because, you know, this wasn't tr- traditionally New York or Philadelphia yep, yep. or or Boston. It was, a, it was a, a much softer town, and in many respects it still is. I mean, people here still think Mitch Trubisky is going to the Hall of Fame. You know, they they think the idea of moving on from from Justin Fields is like they're moving on from Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it's in many ways, it's still a very soft sports town. But uh, in terms of the way that the fans uh, treat certain athletes at games, I, I maybe that maybe you're right, Tommy, maybe that's the night it all changed. Last thing I want to ask you about it, and you just touched on it, uh, the Bears. Look, they've been bad for a long time. They've had multiple coaches. They've had front office changes. The only thing that hasn't changed is ownership. Um, And now there's all this talk with a combine going on. What are they going to do with Justin Fields? Okay, now he has had fantastic moments. He has had far less than fantastic moments. We know Caleb Williams is available in the draft. The Bears have the number one pick. What do you think is going to happen? What do you think should happen? Um, What I think is going to happen is they're going to trade Justin Fields and they're going to draft Caleb Williams. I would consider, if I were them, trading out of that pick if I could still get 
the number two pick. And I believe that's doable. I, I, I believe you could, you could still, you could probably still hold up Washington. And I got to call him Washington because that's what Mike Ditka always said. So in my world, it's Washington. I think you, I think you could hold them up. I think Jaden Daniels is a fascinating guy. Yep. Now I am not smart enough to know which one of them is going to be the better player. I think they're both going to be really good players. I don't like comps. I wouldn't, you know, I think it's crazy at this point. I think Caleb Williams is going to be a terrific player. That's not something I thought about Mitch Trubisky or Justin Fields. Uh, I think he's going to be a terrific player. I think Jaden Daniels has a higher ceiling. Uh, he probably has a lower floor as well, but he's fascinating to me. Uh, but under, but regardless, I would trade Justin Fields. I, I would use one of those first two picks. Um, they've got a lot of cap space. They have a lot of draft capital. And you have to reset the clock from a salary standpoint because why would you pay all this money to a guy that you still don't know anything about? Anybody who, who – I mean, if, you, if you've watched every game of his career, you know what Justin Fields is at this point. He's exactly what he appears to be, which is what you just said. He can sometimes be good. He can sometimes be bad. Mostly he's in the middle most of that time. Um He's incredibly talented physically. There's nothing he can't do on a football field. It's just that he doesn't know how to play quarterback yet. Now that can change. Justin Fields can learn how to play quarterback. He can learn how to, to get the call, process the call, make the call, walk to the line, change the call again, get the ball in his hands, and change his mind again. He can learn to do all those things. It's happened. It's not the usual thing that after three years you suddenly figure it out but it does happen and if it did happen i'd be thrilled for him he appears to be a really good kid and he's so talented i, I if they traded him and he went and did great things somewhere else i'd be thrilled for him um but it, it's three years in i mean cj stroud and again comps are unfair it took him what about three weeks to yep. look like cj stroud yeah okay now that's unusual we know that's unusual and I wouldn't expect Caleb Williams or Jaden Daniels to do that because that's really unfair. But after three years, I, I think you have to say this is what he is. God bless him if he figures it out somewhere else. But to pay him a lot of money and to eat up a lot of really valuable cap space when you could bring in a rookie, get probably the same performance, which is uneven, you know, at, at best, or, or maybe something much better than that. I think you ha I think it's the responsible thing to do. The easy thing to do, Tom, the easy thing to do if you're Ryan Poles is keep Justin Fields because that's what everybody here wants. I mean, they got him going to the Hall of Fame in Chicago. So you keep Justin Fields, you eat up all that cap space, you give him his money, and then you hope sometime in the next two years he becomes the guy that you want him to be. I just that doesn't seem logical to me. It doesn't seem realistic to me. It's not the prudent thing to do. It'd be the easy thing to do, but it's not the prudent thing to do. And this is not, I don't think, overly critical of Justin Fields. I think this is most quarterbacks who come into the NFL. Yep. I think this is most of them, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it is. That, oh, it is. I mean, it is. And, Stroud and is a total outlier by and large, and that's over the last even number of years, really. And, and Mahomes, and, once he got a chance to play. Yeah, I mean, and I don't like the Caleb Williams comparisons to Patrick Mahomes. I think that's insane. You're talking about possibly yeah, I mean, come on. the greatest player at his position in the history of the game. I mean, he's going he's gonna to get at least five or six rings, right? 
Yep, maybe eight. At least. Yep, you know, yep, I yep. mean, he, I and again, you know, Tom Brady is Tom Brady, but give Patrick Mahomes 10 more years. Who knows? I think that comparison is crazy. Don't do that to the kid. Um, it's nothing against Justin Fields. I just think the wise thing to do, yep. given the information that you possess today, is to trade Justin Fields and, and use one of those first two picks on a quarterback. Barry, we can't thank you enough for your time, my friend. It's always great seeing you, man. I miss seeing you in person, and hopefully we'll be able to catch up sometime soon. You take care. Best to everybody, and Godspeed ahead, my friend. Thank you. Back at on all accounts, it's it's great to see you, man. Give my best to your family, and I, I hope we get to see each other in person one of these days. I so. hope so, too. I hope so, too. Barry Reisner, longtime legendary sports columnist in Chicago. He's covered it all. You know, we didn't get into the fact that he was a guy that broke that Phil Jackson getting the getting the job story. And, uh, you know, the quote from that whole thing that I'll never forget is, and we we're talking a little bit about there, and then next time we'll have Barry back, I'd like to ask him a little bit about uh, Jerry Reinsdorf because such a lightning rod figure in that city. And you think about our city where we are here. I mean, you'd kill to have a football owner that had won one championship. Franchises never won it right? The baseball franchise hasn't won it since 1990. Here, Jerry Reinsdorf has been the owner of a basketball team that has won six world championships, a baseball team in the White Sox that has won a World Series title. And yet, in the what have you done for me lately world, there are people that would like to see him sell everything. So be careful sometimes what you wish for. All right. Casey, thank you. Lindsay, thank you. Thank you. Stay out of trouble. We'll stay out of trouble. <laughs> Is T. Higgins going to be here before we leave? Yay or nay at the start of 2024? Yay or nay? He's going to be here. He's going to be here. Yeah. Yeah. They're not trading him. They just don't do that. Okay. Too valuable. All right. We'll talk about that on Monday. We come your way Monday again. Monday morning, 9-15-A live right here on Chatterbox Sports. Thanks so much for being with us. You're dialed in. We'll see you next Monday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.